Hi, this is Wendy Carson Smith on Smart Practice, a call-in show designed to address issues, current issues of interest for our advanced practice nurses. Hello, everybody. I'm here today to talk about reforming America's healthcare system. It is a report that has been developed by this new administration. And within this report, they discuss um, barriers to competition, removing barriers to competition, and they discuss expanding scopes of practice. I find it quite interesting because I never thought we'd have this administration have that discussion. But it is part of a larger report to address issues related to the Affordable Care Act. There are a number of recommendations in there, too many for me to actually discuss. Um, but we today are going to focus on those that impact nurses, in particular advanced practice nurses. One of the biggest provisions of this uh, report is expanding, as I mentioned, expanding scopes of practice and limiting barriers to practice. Mm -hmm. As they discuss the limitation on barriers to practice, what we are seeing is that is that they have designed the report in part, like I said, to address the Affordable Care Act, and they are providing arguments against the Affordable Care Act. In doing so, I think they have misread some of the provisions that they see as limiting scopes of practice. Now, as you and I both know, limiting scopes of practices is seriously state-based. There are some federal issues associated with limiting scopes of practice, but if we address it at the state level, many of those federal provisions actually disappear. In this particular report, they focus on the state-based barriers to practice, which I think um, are nice to put into a report of this nature. But it's very little the federal government can do to address those barriers. Um, I want to talk about a little bit about some of the things they say are um, impeding practice uh, related to the Affordable Care Act. And one is discrimination against a health care provider. Now, there is a little-known provision in the Affordable Care Act. There are also amendments in labor, various labor acts to prohibit discrimination against health care providers. So if you are providing a service that is akin to the service that a physician provides, you too should be able to get full privileges under the act. Many have not challenged it, but interestingly enough, some have challenged this use of the Affordable Care Act. And as they challenge the use of, as they challenge this, as they challenge the limitation using this provision, they have been immensely effective.
they have challenged it at the state level, and there's been a challenge at the federal level, which reaffirms that the uh, provisions in the Affordable Care Act actually cover non-physician providers and prohibit discrimination in credentialing and privileging. Um, if that is actually implemented at all levels for all insurance plans that are offered through the Affordable Care Act, then we will not have um, as many problems with barriers to practice. It would be open to all, and most states would not have a problem. Now, let's think about this for a moment. Barriers to practice, advanced practice nurses, and the federal government. If we really wanted to address limitations on advanced practice nurses, here is my wish list. One of the first things I think I would do would be to remove that 85% reimbursement rate. The reimbursement rate of 85% for all nurse practitioners, 100% if you're working with physician, 85% if you're not, it is duplicated through um, by private insurance in many instances. If we remove that barrier from federal government, which this administration could do, then maybe that would expand the scope. Maybe that would remove a barrier to practice. Remove the home health mandate that only physicians can write orders for home health services. That again, an artificial barrier to practice. Removal of limitations on coding for nurse practitioners. As we know, the higher the code, the more complex the procedure. If there, this is truly to be a free market, then let the nurse practitioner choose or figure out what they can or cannot do. Don't let the code drive what you can or cannot do. Another classic example that this administration could address is nurse practitioners and physician assistants prescribing buprenorphine. Um, yes, they can now prescribe buprenorphine, but in the past they could not prescribe buprenorphine. But more importantly is that the requirements for training to prescribe buprenorphine are different for physicians as opposed to nurse practitioners. Look at nurse practitioners can't write orders to certify for diabetic shoes. Classic example, once again, you can be the ordering physician, I mean the ordering practitioner, but you cannot be the certifying practitioner. We need to make sure that you can be the certifying practitioner and that no other um, 
prohibitions or limitations exist on your practice. Now, I think that these are a good start, but I need to hear from you about what you might think are good starts. I'm not hearing from you all, so I want to know what is it that you think would be a good start to address these issues related to barriers to practice by the federal government. State governments, we know how to handle those, but what is it that you think we need to address in the federal parameters? I'll give you a moment, talk about a little of some of these other things that arose in this um, practice, in this particular um, report. They presume here that the barriers to practice are based upon us having state-segmented insurance markets, and they almost talk about a national insurance market. I find this interesting because I want to know how can we ascertain risk if we have a national insurance market and how will they actuarially set rates um, for, um, for health insurance. With a national market, I'm sure that the Obama administration attempted to address this, but as many of you know, insurance companies work uh, regionally and they believe that actuarially they can give you the best cost if they do a regional or a statewide market. Um, so one of the issues is how do we actually ascertain what the cost of insurance will be if we have a national market? But more importantly, who do we put in the national market? Do we put everyone in the national market? Or do we put just those people in the national market who are um, who purchase insurance? Do we segment out of the national market many of the federal markets? You know, I, me and my husband, we are in um, a federal market because we, we've been government employees. And there are a number of people who are in, in that position. So would they be separated out or alternatively, would they be included in there? Will we include the military who generally are, are covered by um, CHAMPAS or the VA system? So what exactly would the market look like if this was to occur? Secondly, I want to know that I want to um, mention that there is a discussion within this report about the utilization of compacts. Now, I find that real interesting because a lot of time has been spent on discussing how compacts would eliminate one of the barriers, which is mobility and state licensure. As we know, nurses have attempted to address this issue over the last 10 years. And uh, I think it's 21 of the states have addressed it through the compact. But in this particular discussion, they focus on not just our compact, but they also focus on, um, on the medical, um, the physician compact, which has been structured to, um, to allow for uh, almost like a, a expedited licensure process as opposed to the reciprocity process 
that is within the um, nurse licensure compact. So um, there's a recommendation in this report um, in support of compacts. There's also a recommendation in the report which addresses telehealth. Again, nurses were on the cutting edge of telehealth. And as a result of the nurses being on the cutting edge of telehealth, um, many have worked towards getting reimbursement at the state level. This report makes recommendations to remove barriers associated with um, reimbursement for telehealth in terms of where the, the patient is located or if there is an original relationship with the patient. Another one of the issues I found very interesting is to address a lot of the red tape associated with medical licensure without, with, I'm sorry, medical education funding. And it was very interesting to me because there was no discussing of nursing education funding as well. So even though this report is designed to address many of the issues that this administration believes are core to the dissolution of the Affordable Care Act, they were very strategic in terms of exactly what they um, chose to address. Now, the report was generated by the Secretary of Health and Human Services, um, the Department of Labor Secretary, and the Department of Treasury. Interestingly enough, they did not discuss or work with the Federal Trade Commission. I thought that was very interesting that um, that was not included in this report. Now, they did use a lot of the Federal Trade Commission's works on certificates of need. And um, in that discussion, of course, they discussed streamlining the certificate of need process or the certificate of necessity process. But when they discuss um, expanding access through, through removing barriers of practice, um, there was little discussion of the FTC's work related to um, of the FTC's work related to um, practice. So, hi Rita, how you doing today? Um, so, I'm enjoying um, reading the report, and I'm enjoying going through this report. Now, in the report, they also discuss Medicaid waivers. And as they discussed the Medicaid waivers, it was interesting some of the conclusions that were reached. One of the conclusions reached was that the Medicaid waivers were not working because they were the um, life expectancy of, um, of, of Americans is going down and not going up. But the Medicaid waiver argument is remiss in that they did not look at those 
states where Medicaid waivers have been uh, have been in place. The states where Medicaid waivers are used and utilized and have been used for at least a year or two, in those states, the life expectancy has actually gone up. Those states where life expectancy has gone down are centrally in the Midwest. When you look at most reports, they attribute it to the opioid crisis or to poverty, and it is led by or driven by um, white male rates going, going down, their life expectancy rates going down. So if we are going to use this argument or if this administration is going to use this argument, they need to rethink it or do additional research on it. Now, I'm looking back over. I'm still not getting any calls from my nurses. So we are going to go through a couple more of the provisions of this report um, with regards to workforce mobility. Um, we talked about the compact, but we also didn't talk about what drives using the compact and what does not drive using the compact. In a lot of states where they use the compact to expedite um, licensure of, of health care providers from other states, um, it has had a detrimental impact on that respective board's um, board that licensed that that provider their budget because their budget is premised on the number of licensees that they have within that state. So if you have if you anticipate you're going to have 50 licensees coming into the state, the budget is structured around the existing licensees and the new licensees. If you do not envision having that number or if there are reductions in that particular number of licensees, then what we will see is a reduction in the budget incrementally. And that is what has happened in, in many states. In some of the states where the budget is set not by the legislature but instead by the department, there have been even more drastic cuts. And in states where the boards of medicine are felt to be superior to the boards of nursing or other licensed professions, then the cut can be even more drastic. So it is our recommendation that if you are going to go through a process of developing a compact, then to look at how your licensure boards are being funded and look at the amounts that are being given to the boards annually so that you develop a plan for a reduced number of licensees in your state. Sometimes it requires you to reduce the number of staff positions at the respective boards. So you would want to address that. Finally, there's one issue associated with um, the Federal Trade Commission that I found interesting. 
in this um, report. In the report, they noted that the Federal Trade Commission could not provide um, interventions with nonprofits. Um, they are the Federal Trade Commission has primary jurisdiction over non-competition within businesses, and they are not to address nonprofits. Now, a lot of people do not realize it, but Blue Cross Blue Shield is a nonprofit, and so if they were to go after insurance companies that are for profit. They could not go after those like Blue Cross Blue Shield that are nonprofit. There are also a number of religious institutions that provide insurance or some type of wellness plan. Those two they could not go after. In the report, they do make a recommendation that the Federal Trade Commission's jurisdiction be expanded to address issues associated with nonprofits. They also make, which I find really interesting, and my nurse practitioner friends, I want you all to please check this out, is that they also make a recommendation to scrutinize non-compete clauses. Now, as we know, the non-complete clauses have been used to um, have been used to limit what nurse practitioners can and cannot do in workplace settings. And in many instances, they are used to compel them to stay within um, a sometimes untenable work relationship because they include limitations on who they can subsequently contract with. They put limitations in there on mileage limitations and restrictions or regional limitations and restrictions in non-complete peak clauses. And so this report addresses that issue as well and makes recommendations that um, the non-compete clauses be addressed. Well, it looks like my time is about up for today. I've really enjoyed talking with you. It is my hope that more of you come and join me and you share your questions with me. I ask that you read the report. It's called Reforming America's Healthcare System Through Choice and Competition. Read the report. Look at the recommendations. Use the recommendations to your benefit. But I also ask you to question those who rely on the face value of this report. Ask them to do what we know they need to do, which is look at the federal government's own limitations on competition. If we start there, we can do something positive. If we remove the, the upcoding limitation, if we remove the 85% reimbursement limitation, if we remove some of the Medicare guidances limitations on practice, all those would help immensely. 
So I want us to start not with what's happening in the states, which are great recommendations in this report, but instead let's start with the federal. It is my hope that you all come back and join me another day for smart practice. We love you and we want to see you more. You've asked me to do this, so I've done it. If you like this, give me a thumbs up or a favorable rating on Facebook or Blog Talk Radio or come out to my website, www.carsonco.net. If you have suggestions for future topics, please send them to me. We will be back in two weeks on Thursday, January 3rd at noon to discuss more smart practices for nurses. Let's talk. Nursing channel designed to address real topics, real needs of ATNs and RNs. I thank you and have a great day. Did I cut it off? Yeah, I cut it off. I think I cut it off. I hit the No, you just muted yourself. Okay. So I'm just say end episode. Okay. Mm-hmm.